Last week we finished up the portion on the bread of life, and I only want to read one verse from the next part in John chapter 7, verse 1, and then we're going to be turning to Mark's Gospel. So John chapter 7, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So when it's speaking of the Jews, he is speaking not of all Jews, because in the Galilee there were also Jews. This was a particular sect and the leading sect of the Jews, the Pharisees in particular, that were seeking his life, and they were concentrated in Judea, in Jerusalem, which Jerusalem is in Judea, and so he aborted that section of, of town. So, in fact, to avoid a certain area, that, that section of the country, to avoid a certain area because of the dangers is not unscriptural at times. There are dangers. And then, at other times, he did go into Judea. And, in fact, uh, uh, at the end, he went into Judea, and it was clear, clear what was going to happen. Uh, so, we need discernment. What I want to do is I want to turn to the next portion in Jesus's in the chronological life of Jesus. And this is picked up in Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. There is a parallel account in Matthew, but we'll focus on the Mark chapter 7 uh, uh, account. In Matthew chapter 15, there's a parallel account. But we'll look in Mark 7, reading from verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they came from Jerusalem and had seen some of the disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? but eat their bread with impure hands. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandments of God, you hold to the, to the traditions of men. Okay, so we see in, in verse 1 of that chapter 7 that it was Pharisees that had come from Jerusalem gone up to the Galilee, so that's like two and a half or three days' journey. They had gone up and they started probing him and asking him more questions. So this was initiated by the very Pharisees from Jerusalem. And they said to him, how come your disciples are eating without washing their hands? And because they had assumed if this is really the Messiah, he would follow all the Pharisaic dictates. Now remember, they had 613 commandments in the law of Moses. That is from the first five books of the Bible. They take this, actually mainly from from, uh, after Genesis onward, from what Moses started to bring in. And, And they have 613 commandments that they have to follow. But beyond this, they had thousands of commandments. So around, for example, the Sabbath day. So that... They were not supposed to work on the Sabbath day, but so that nobody would violate any of these rules because violating those rules had gotten them in big trouble. It had gotten the Jews in big trouble and it resulted in their dispersion 
to, and the taking over of the nation during the first dispersion, that was to Babylon. And then after 70 years, they came back. So remember, they built the, the, the Mishnah, the, and the Bible calls it, we see how the New Testament calls it, the tradition of the elders. The, the, they, they specifically call it the tradition of the elders, but we still have those books today, and still Jews study those books today. It's the Mishnah, and you see it, so for example, around just the Sabbath day, there's over a thousand, I think it's even twelve or fifteen hundred commandments to keep you from ever violating that rule again of all the things that you shouldn't do on the Sabbath day. And so you're so burdened with all of these things, and so they're asking Jesus a very fundamental one, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? Because that would cause them to be in, in observance of the tradition of the elders, and we thought, you know, your disciples should do that. Now, even if you go to Israel today to an Orthodox restaurant, you will always see, not in the bathroom, but you will see a sink in the outer area where the Orthodox can go and wash. So they wash from the tip of their finger all the way to their elbow. You will see them washing their hands before they sit down to eat. still happens to this day. There's nothing wrong with washing your hands. But it's the, the wrong comes when we take that washing of hands, which happens to be a tradition, and make it a dictate, a dictate for people. So that's where the problem lies, when there's that washing of hands that becomes a dictate. And so they say, how come your, your disciples don't follow the, these traditions of the elders? And, they, and it goes on to explain all these other things that they do. When they go to the marketplace, there's all these things, and the washing of pots and cups and pitchers, and, and they still have these. So, for example, if you go to an Orthodox Jewish home, and there's many around here, you will have two refrigerators, not one in the kitchen. And there's one refrigerator for the dairy products and one refrigerator for the meat because they're not supposed to mix the two. So they have two totally separate refrigerators for them. They have two totally separate dishes for them. So you'll have dishes for, for dairy products and dishes for meat products. This all comes from the tradition of the elders, which even dates back to that day. It is still observed to this day. So when we have Orthodox Jews to our home, we are very careful because Shireen always wants to welcome people from whatever culture they are, she will wash the dishware that they're going to use with boiling water, which is what they are commanded to do, they feel, in their tradition of the elders. But they're saying to Jesus, how come your disciples don't observe this? And what Jesus is saying is, because they don't have to observe it. There's 613 commandments, they fulfill the things of Moses, but you've put so many other burdens on them, that they can no longer even know what God is requiring of them. And so he even goes on to say, in verse 6, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. Now, couldn't have Jesus have said that without using the word hypocrites? But this was a different day, and he's God. So he can do some things that regular people might not want to do. Prophets. We're right in your face. Jesus being a prophet, the Son of God, right there. And he calls them hypocrites. And he says, this is even Isaiah prophesied of you. He says, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandments of God, you hold to the traditions of men. When you put so many traditions upon people and make them now dictates, it keeps them from being able to observe my law. They don't even know what my law is. Because you put so many other things upon them. Don't you see that God does not want to burden us with so many things in our life? 
And in fact, we've been liberated from all the 613 of the Old Testament. There's about 150 in the New Testament that, that, that we're supposed to observe. And, and all of these things, many of them are translated from the Old Testament. But there's other new things where he's even raised the bar on us. But they are different than the traditions of men. And he gives them an example in verse 9. He says, also, he was also saying to them, you, you are experts at setting aside the commandments of God in order to keep your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever I have, that would help you is korban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer pl- permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such as that. So Jesus gives them an example. He says, here is where your traditions have made the word of God of no effect, because the commandment of Moses was, he quotes it in verse 10, You are to honor your father and your mother. And he who even speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. I mean, you see how much we are to honor our parents. So, if you had a rough time with your parents, and I'm not saying that all parents have been great parents. They're not. You're looking at one who has not. There's many failings in my life as a parent because I find parenting the hardest thing that I have ever done. It is harder than nanotechnology. It's harder than chemistry. And it consumes so much of my mind because I want the best for my children. But in that, sometimes I've been too hard on them. I've pushed them. In the, and, and so you do the best. I've done the best I can. Now, not all parents have done the best they can. Regardless, we are told that we are to honor our father and our mother. And you may have even been physically abused by them but there can still be an honor of them. doesn't mean that you, you have to be with them every holiday, but there still must be an honor of them. And you ask God to work in your heart to honor your father and your mother. Even if they are unbelievers, one of the things that they have a tremendous insight for very often is what is good for you in marriage. And even though my parents are unbelievers, I wanted their blessing in my marriage. They were unbelievers at the time. Since then, my mother has come to a, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But at the time, she, she was not. But I wanted their blessing. There is great protection because parents have a really keen insight in this as to who would be good for you. So to get their blessing. But Jesus said, here's an example. The law of Moses has told you to honor your father and your mother. And the Pharisees had a tradition. It was called Korban. So in other words... A man could say korban, and that means that I dedicate everything I have to the Lord. And in doing that, he, ha- he could do one of two things. Either he could keep all of that use for himself, or he could give it to another Pharisee. That's what korban meant. So, uh, I have a house. If I say korban, this house is korban, then I can either keep this house myself, or I can give it to another Pharisee. So if I see my elderly father coming toward me and he needs some help and I don't really want to give anything to him, I could say, Corban. And now he walks up and he says, you know, I, I really need some help these days. And I say, oh, I wish you had come sooner. I've already said Corban. So I've dedicated this now. So it can only be for Pharisaic use. You're not a Pharisee. 
And because many people became Pharisees, they weren't from families of Pharisees, so now they have excluded themselves from helping their mother and father. You see what I mean? So Jesus gives them this example. He's giving them an example of where they've taken the traditions of men. Korban, saying this, was a tradition of man. And they have now nullified the commandment of God to honor your father and your mother. And he says, you do many things like this. Then he goes on in verse 14. And he said, after he called the crowd to him again and he began to say to them, now remember, he's speaking parabolically. Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile him. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so remember, he spoke only to the crowd now in parables. But to his disciples, he would explain it to them. In verse 17, when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from the outside cannot defile him? Because it is not... It does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. <clears throat> and he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things proceed out from within, and defile the man. So Jesus is saying, look, you know, you can, you can eat without washing your hands. That's not what defiles you. Now, you may pick up certain bacteria. It may be unwise to do this, but it is not a religious issue. It's not a spiritual thing. It's what comes out of your heart that defiles a man. What comes out of your mouth, the things you say, the thoughts you have, this is what defiles a man. The actions you perform. And he gives us a specific list. He says here, for example, uh, 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 evil thoughts, fornications, that's sex outside of marriage, thefts, murders, adulteries, that's having sex with someone else other than your partner in marriage, deeds of coveting, that's wanting something that you don't own, Uh, um, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, sensuality, this is like pornography, yeah, this is wrong, Jesus says. Envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these are evil and they proceed from within. So Jesus is making this distinction now. You know, recently I was approached and keep getting approached by this young person who who heard me speak a few months ago and they're in a relationship. So this young lady's in a relationship with a young man and she she heard me talk about how it's, it's wrong to live together. She said that the young man in the relationship wanted to know that, that he can't find any verse in the Bible about that being wrong, having sex before marriage being wrong. So I pointed out to them 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I said, here it is, right here in the New Testament, something that we are supposed to observe, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reading from verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and and in the spirit of our God. Thank you. 
So, um, so you see this list here. This is what we are supposed to observe. And the list is very specific. It says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators. And then I also copied her the definition of fornication from Wikipedia. Talks about sex out of, outside of marriage. It's not going to lead to inheriting the kingdom of God. This is what it says. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. Oh, me, oh my, what are we going to do? It says, even homosexuals. That's on the list. I didn't claim this. Jesus did. This is from the Word of God. This is Paul writing. Nor homosexuals. People will say, well, what about the desire? And listen, I minister to homosexuals all the time. And I've had homosexuals working for me, and I think they are some of the best workers. This is not the issue that a man has desires for another man, or a woman has desires for another woman. I can't do anything about the desire. I'll tell you, for, for most of my adult life, I've had desire for women. Okay? You say, well, I have a wife. Yeah, I have a wife. But that doesn't automatically mean that I stop desiring other women. I mean, when I was in my 20s, every good-looking woman that walked by, I was like, whoa, you know, I just, I desired them. So just because I'm married doesn't make me stop desiring them, right? So should I be allowed to fulfill my desire? Because, you know, I have this desire. That's where my desire is, so let me fulfill it, right? No, because it would be adultery for me to fulfill it. If before I'm married, I just want to sleep with every woman that walks by, no, I can't. Because it would be fornication for me to fulfill it. And so because a homosexual has desires for another person, the desire is there. But we can't execute on that desire. Because it's here. We can't do that. You say, well, a heterosexual person has an outlet because they can get married. Well, not all heterosexuals can get married. Did you know there's a lot of people that would like to marry, but they can't? Because they can't find a person who will marry them. That happens, you know. Some people because of their personality. Some people because of their looks. Some people are, are, you know, are unattractive enough that they can't find a spouse. That happens in life. Did you know that? Did you ever know somebody who wanted to get married and they couldn't? So because they can't find a partner, they can sleep around all they want because they have this desire? No. Do you, do you see the difference here? We can't fulfill it whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. You can't fulfill it in an ungodly way that it says. We can't do this. There are people that can't get married because they've been injured. Because they, they, they've lost their genitals in an accident. This happens. This happens in life. And so you can't fulfill it. So does that mean that because you can't fulfill it? No, it means that you bring this under the captivity of God. So these young people, this, this young woman is contacting me. Well, now that I've showed, her, showed this verse to the young man, he says he wants to marry now. And he's a junior in college. And he wants to marry now because he can't control himself now. Because he's gone without having sex with her for three weeks. And it's just too much for him. I said, well, you, you want to think twice about marrying this person. What if... After you're married, and you've been married for a year and a half, you get ill, and he can't have sex with you, or something. So now he's justified in going out, or the company should send him away for three months overseas? Now what? Because he can't control it. He's going to have to learn to come under submission to the things of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants to call us back to righteousness. What I'm teaching you is something that is good for you. 
The desire may be there. The desire may be for me to be with every pretty woman. But I can't. Because I'm married. And I must walk in this. And before I was married, I couldn't do it either. Because it would be fornication. It is wrong. This is a specific commandment for us in the New Testament epistles. This is what we must obey. This is not just you, you know, you know, uh, uh, some teaching of men, the traditions of men. This is what we obey. Jesus said, this is what we're supposed to obey. It's the traditions of men that can make this wrong in our lives. They can, they can do things. So, so what I want to do is I want to begin to focus on this, uh, during this time and the next time I also teach, on the traditions of men that are in the church that cause us to keep us from following the commandments of Jesus. And, and uh, I'll give you some examples. And, and you may not know about this, but the older among you who have been in the church longer may remember some of this. So, for example, on the list of really bad things to do if you're a Christian used to be that you play cards. If you play cards, it was really bad. If you use dice, you have dice, play a board game, it was really bad. So you would go to a Christian university and what they would have is they, you'd look at the Monopoly game, there's no dice in there. you say, well, how do you play? They'd have a spinner. And you'd spin twice and you'd see what you get. Because, it's, because the dice were used by gamblers. But the spinner is okay. Alright? So, so that was another one. Um, uh, the other one was dancing. There's no prohibition on dancing in the Scriptures. But there's a prohibition on dancing in some churches. Did you know that? But there's no such prohibition in the Bible. And so when we put that upon another, I'll give you another example. Wine. Drinking of wine. There's no prohibition about that in the Bible. In fact, Jesus made wine at the Passover feast. In, in, uh, in Psalm 104, it talks about how God made wine to make men merry. God did that. And so what happens is, we have changed the Word of God... Because we don't like the fact that people drink wine. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. So, so it, it goes something like this. Wine is wrong. We come up with some prohibition. Jesus wouldn't do anything wrong. Therefore, Jesus didn't drink wine. So you see, we've changed the Word of God because of our tradition. What makes this different, what makes it different when you, when, when you have... When you have uh, legalism, legalism is I can put anything upon myself that I want, but I, it, so, so to be free of legalism is this, I can put it upon myself, but as soon as I put it upon you, that it becomes legalism. That is wrong. So in other words, even in the Old Testament, there were certain sects of people that would choose not to drink wine. And in fact, God loved those people. They were called Nazarites. And they took Nazarite vows. And, and they would drink no wine, and God really honored them. I have made a decision in my life that I don't drink alcohol. But that is not because the Bible has said to me that I shouldn't drink alcohol. I've just made a decision that I don't want to drink alcohol. And I made that decision because uh, uh, what happened was, when I met Shireen, I realized she came from a culture where nobody ever drank alcohol, because it was illegal in her culture. And if I would, if her brother would hand me a beer, I would drink. I didn't know it was bad. I came from a Jewish background. In fact, wine was a very large part of a Jewish background. Every, you couldn't have a gathering without wine. And I hardly ever drank, but if he handed me a beer, I drank. I didn't know it was wrong. And then I saw it bothered her. 
So as a decision not to bother this woman that I love, I thought I'd never drink again. And so I don't drink. And now I'm happy that I don't because I've demonstrated to my children that I don't. But never have you seen me in this class say, you should not drink. Because that's not in the Bible. You see what I mean? It becomes legalism if I take what I do and put it upon you. I'll give you another example. I chose about, uh, um, about a year and a half ago, or about a year ago, to eat gluten-free. Just a fad. I wanted to try this because there were all these athletes trying it. So you don't eat any wheat, barley, or rye. And what I found is it's a lot easier for me to control my weight. Now, I've always been able to control it, but with a lot of work. And now it's become easy because when you eat no wheat, barley, or rye, you can't eat brownies, you can't eat cookies. And so there's all these things that come at you at work that people bring and all these meetings you go to. Oh, I'm, eating, I'm gluten-free, so I don't eat it. But never have I come in here and said, you should be gluten-free because I'm gluten-free. You suffer along with me. No, no way. Enjoy your gluten. Eat, eat all the cookies and everything you want. Go ahead, and especially when you're young, because there comes a time you can't do it anymore, so do it while you can. But you see the difference, and you will meet people that will put upon you what they feel are very, is very important. I have met Christians that say, you should never eat pork. Because in the Old Testament, they never eat pork. Well, we clearly saw, it says in, in Mark, that Jesus declared all foods clean. And then in the book of Acts, he, with Peter, he said, what God has cleansed, let no man call, uh, call it, uh, unclean. So he opened up different foods, food groups to us. That was allowed. If you don't want to eat pork, fine. I am fine with you saying to yourself, you don't want to eat pork. But as soon as you put that upon another person, it is wrong. I once gave this, this same talk in this same class ten years ago. And a guy was listening, and he just afterward, he sent me this long email. He said, you were so right on. So right on. But the one thing that really is bad is to eat processed meat, because these animals come from feedlots, where they're you know, kind of confined and they have to eat. I said, this is exactly what I'm saying. If you don't want to eat that, that's fine. But you can't put it upon another. You see what I mean? Everything that we don't like, we want to be sanctioned that God doesn't like it either, because I don't like it. Everybody wants God to be made in their image. Remember, when God starts agreeing with us on all of these things, we have made Him in our image. Remember, we're supposed to be made in His image, not He in our image. This is what Jesus is talking about. The same sort of thing has come in the church. It used to be even further back. I'll give you another example. If you wore glasses, you did not have faith. Yeah, you may not know this, but even when I first came to the Lord, I remember people dealing with these issues, and people would go around squinting all the time because they didn't want to show that they lacked faith because if they really had faith, God would heal their eyes. And, and I know a woman, 35 years ago, who took her contact lenses, which were really expensive back then. They were hard, and they, they weren't disposable. And she flushed them down the toilet as an act of faith, that God was going to heal her eyes. And then she had to go back to wearing her thick glasses for six months <laughs> to pay the price for this, because her eyes didn't get healed. So there were these sort of things. In fact... Before my generation of coming to the Lord, some Christians said you shouldn't drive in cars because gangsters use cars. You say, this is ridiculous. That's how ridiculous these things are. Uh, you shouldn't play pins. You know what pins were? Bowling. bowling. You shouldn't do bowling. You know, and so there was a thing that in the church you shouldn't do bowling. And now you have churches with bowling alleys in the church. You have churches in, 
you know, they'd have decks of cards with the name of the church on the back. So things change. These things that people change, they should never be dictates that we should put things upon other people with these sort of things. This is what Jesus is trying to free us from. So let's look in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And let's understand the source of this and see what, what we're supposed to do. You can put anything you want on yourself, but it is not to be pushed upon others. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. He who eats, does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks to God, and he who he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. So you see here what he's saying. He says that some people think that you can only eat vegetables. Some people eat all things. And the typical thing of man is to think this, wow, that guy's really spiritual. He only eats vegetables. Look how dedicated he is. What a strong Christian. The Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says the one who eats vegetables only is the weak one. That's what the Bible says. It says one person has faith in verse 2 that he may eat all things, but the one who is weak eats vegetables only. And he's not just speaking physically weak because vegetarians are always skinny with wiry hair. No, no, he's not not saying that. He's saying that spiritual, uh, to be spiritually strong is you don't have any of these restrictions. That it's none of this is a spiritual issue with you. But if it's a spiritual issue for you, okay, you don't have to eat meat. You don't want to eat pork? Fine. But if you exalt it to being a spiritual issue in your own mind, you haven't lost your faith. You're just weaker in your faith. This is what he's saying. This is what he's teaching us. He says you're free to do this. You're free to do as you like regarding the eating of meat, regarding the, the, these sort of things. Things that are amoral. Things that aren't, you know, that, that, that are in this middle area. They're neither moral nor immoral. They're amoral. He says you make your decision on this. You see the freedom we have in Christ. The freedom we have in Christ. And what we're going to look into next time is where should we refrain? Under what conditions should we refrain? And, and all of this is given to given us freedom. And he says in, in this in, in verse same portion, verse five, one person regards one day above another, or another regards every day alike. You know, some Christians feel if you're not in church on Christmas Day and on Easter Day, whoa, you are in huge trouble. That's what they think. Because they observe Christmas Day, which there is no Christmas Day in the Bible at all. But Tradition. Observe Christmas Day and Easter. Now, Easter Day is in the Bible. If you don't observe those as special days and be in church, you're in big trouble. Other people would say, every day is the same. It doesn't make a difference to me. That's kind of where I am. 
But if somebody wants to observe a special day and that's really important to them, okay, that's fine. My wife loves Christmas. I mean, she loves the smell of Christmas. She loves Christmas trees. She loves Christmas lights. She loves everything of this because she grew up in a family where there was all of this. I grew up in a Jewish home. We had nothing at this time. We had a little dreidel we would get or a pencil. I mean, it meant nothing to me in this, uh, uh, the specialness of the day. So for her sake, we have this tree. We've got to put it up every year and put the lights up every year. And, and uh, I tell her, can't we just leave it up? That way we don't have to take it down and put it up. But just leave it up all year. We have Christmas all the time. But no, we've got to take it down and clean up. And so, there's all this work involved. But she loves it. So that's what's good for her. But it's not a spiritual issue. That's fine. It's not a spiritual... If you don't have a Christmas tree, oh, you're not a good Christian. No, there's none of this. You don't have to have any Christmas tree. He wants to set us free. So what the Jews took upon themselves and all these traditions, we laugh and go, ha, 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 look at those Jews. Look at us. The church does the same thing. This is what's being exposed to us. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, how good it is. Thank you, my Father, for the truth of your word. Father, I pray that you would set us free to enjoy Jesus but also to remember His commandments, that there are things that are written. Father, I thank You for Your commandments. 